Tool set any? Yep. Right. Whoa! Remember, concentrate on the moment. Feel. Don't think. Use your instincts. I will. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Uto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode... Part 2 of Mucho and Robbie's originally unaired pilot episode of Sending the Clones in which they rambled on and on and on and on and on and on and on about the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Hey Chips, it's your old buddy Bucho. The Clone Wars rock out my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. Riding solo again in the dropship on this one. Just for the short intro, this short, possibly pointless intro given that this episode is clearly labelled Part 2. So anyone who's listening to this has already listened to part one, where I hopefully explained everything clearly enough, but I'll drop in here just to say there is great news, which is that Robbie and I have a hot date tomorrow. We will record the 120th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology, Season 6, Episode 12, Destiny, and then the next morning, or the morning after that, we'll do the final episode in Season 6, Season 6, Episode 13, Sacrifice. And those will come out Monday and Tuesday next week. Or, I mean, technically they'll come out Sunday and Monday. Do you know how it works by now, Troops? You don't need me explaining this. Convoluting this thing, making it last longer than it should be. But that's the good news. We will be back in action. Back in the saddle. Back in the cockpit as of tomorrow morning. And so those will be launched into the galaxy next week. And then we'll have a few days. Season 7 is just about here, Troops. Can you believe it? Season 7 is right there on the horizon now. I almost can't believe it. Even though this entire project was predicated on the idea there was going to be a season 7. This is our target. It's been our target the whole time. It's almost like we've done all these submissions just to finally reach our true target, which is season 7. But anyway, now I'm rambling. What was I saying again? I think I was saying that everything was going to be fine. That's right, next week. That's what I was going to say. Next week, we'll have 120 and 121 on Monday and Tuesday. Or, you know, Sunday and Monday. And then... We'll do either one or two kind of recappy type episodes. It almost seems odd to do a series recap when the series won't be finished because season seven's still coming up. But we will put something out. We'll do something. We'll have a couple of chats. We'll try and do something fun to sum up the mission so far. And those will come out, I guess, Wednesday, Thursday, something like that. And then season seven, episode one. We're here, the Bad Batch. It seems almost surreal that we're finally here, or that we're finally almost here, a little over a week away. Anyway, shut up, Bucho. Now you're just rambling. Let's launch this. This is the second part of our previously unaired, shelved pilot episode that ran way too long. This is the second part of our Phantom Menace discussion from August last year. So, hope you enjoyed, troops. Let's get on with it. We hadn't talked about more. I uh, had always felt that his design was too on the nose. I was more was the one thing that everyone agreed was cool about this movie, even the people that didn't like it. And uh, I hate to say it, I was the um, I was contrarian on that. I always felt it was just too 
two on the nose it felt like it wasn't just designed for, he wasn't just designed for eight-year-old kids he was designed by eight-year-old kids you know it's like what should a villain look like the devil okay yeah. <laughs> and what should we should look like a tiger you know he should have horns sticking out like he's super on the nose <laughs> yellow eyes it's like if you if you had a room full of eight-year-old kids and you said what should the villain look like you know and um I still don't love him. And and I have heard that when you watch The Clone Wars and also Rebels, that character really gets fleshed out. Mm -hmm. Because one of the other things is in this film, he's not, he never becomes a character for me. And so even though I... I'll agree. I really enjoyed that. um, I was the same with you about Jewel of the Fates, that it didn't feel Star Wars for me. Watching it this time, I enjoyed that more than I ever have. I enjoyed the fights more than I ever have. You know, I was one of, I was on that kick of feeling they were a little bit too kung fu movie and not enough samurai movie you know what i loved about the ot fights it's like samurai movie fights and this one is more like kung fu mm-hmm. movie you know leaping around flips and what have you which is cool like i mean <laughs> it looks cool but like i said when i was a hater i wasn't into that stuff and this time all that worked for me too but one of the things that i love about the best and this doesn't just go for star wars duels or star wars fights it goes for any any sort of a fight in any film that they are in some way they're a cinematic conversation or like an argument they're they're a debate you don't need the characters to talk to each other but when they do and uh, Princess Bride is one that I always think about Hmm. which is a very different sort of context you know it's comedic as well as dramatic I noticed in the second in Attack of the Clones especially the fights with Dooku where he's talking to Obi-Wan he's talking to Yoda when there's a little bit of conversation in there where it feels like two characters the fight is a conversation, but there's also a literal conversation happened. That works so much better for me. And it, the same thing happens in the in a lot of the OT fights. The one thing that holds me back from loving the the fights with Maul, as technically sort of beautiful as they are, and as as well as they work viscerally, they don't feel like conversations. And one of the reasons is that Maul never feels like an actual character. He just feels like a, an obstacle to get past. That's exactly how I would describe Maul too. In episode one, he's a plot point. He's not a real character. Right. He's a boss to get past. Yeah. Or, like you said, it's, you know, a tornado. <laughs> it's just a whirlwind right. of, of damage. Right. There's not a whole lot in his performance. And it may just be because Lucas didn't trust him as an actor. And was just like, well, I want somebody that's a badass that can come in here and flip around and do some crazy <laughs> that nobody's ever seen before. But it's almost like you're dependent upon everyone's reaction to him. To build that suspense and all that. I just like the... I mean, of course, when the doors open and we'll handle this. And then she goes, we'll go around. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's it's slightly comedic, but it's also just so damn awesome. Yeah, that's a cool moment. Every Star Wars movie has those iconic moments. And of course, that shot of him lighting up the second blade, you're just... That childlike part of your brain just goes, you know, holy... 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 And it does need to be the childlike part of your brain because that double-bladed lightsaber, back in the day, that was another thing where I was like, this is like, what if you asked an eight-year-old kid, what's cooler than a lightsaber? And two lightsabers stuck together. (laughs) It was another thing that unfortunately snowballed for me that I never liked that. And in this film, and I was sort of bracing myself for, is this going to work for me? And he's doing that stance where he's sort of standing sideways, holding it out in front of him and the second blade lights up. I'm going, oh yeah, it works now. And I don't know why. And I'm super thankful to you and, like I said, my buddy Nuge and Brian and everyone else who's helped me accept these films more for what other people have seen in them. 
that was this almost like magic. All the stuff that didn't used to work for me is working for me now. And it is one of those, it's almost like, um, I don't know, reach out with your feelings, open up to the force away. Like if you choose, and I consciously chose, like be more accepting of, of this. And a lot of it worked a lot more. And one of those things was that double-bladed lightsaber. <laughs> Let's come back to that um, part with the humor. He's talking about the sort of slightly humorous moment where Maul turns up, the Jedi say, we'll take care of this. The others say, yeah, let's go around the long way. Remember, we've talked about um, you... you. (laughs) One day we'll do a Transformers episode. You hate that toilet humor in the Transformers. (laughs) In this, we've got Jar Jar standing in dung. We've got him standing behind some beast when it farts. There's all this sort of uh, super juvenile humor in it. There's also, there's a neat moment we haven't talked about the pod race yet which is the other major set piece apart from the duel at the end when uh, Padme is talking to Anakin and she says you've never run a race <laughs> and Anakin says not exactly yeah. she's not even finished and the other kid goes um, what's his name Kidster for some reason I wrote down Kidster yeah. he has said uh, they'll, they'll do well this time and Anakin goes Kidster's right I will this time and he's just so the delivery it cracked me up <laughs> He's fine with it, you know. Yeah, I've never finished, but this time we'll be fine. <laughs> and there's so much riding on it and, uh, yeah. and Padme's response and everything. That might be my favorite bit of Portman's <laughs> acting in this whole first film. Tell me, uh, how do you feel about the rest of the humor in this first, uh, in The Phantom Menace? To me, a lot of it doesn't land. You know, Jar Jar with the tongue and the, don't do that again. You know, blah, 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 you know all that kind of stuff. I just, I don't know, it just doesn't work for me. But I, again, I'm, I'm a lot more forgiving of that stuff now. There's some humor that I just, I find sort of endearing. Like, for some reason, I remember thinking, you know, way back, I remember thinking the part where Jar Jar gets stuck in the bolts or whatever, and he's blah, 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 blah you know, all that stuff, and he's kind of blah, blah, and then he's like, Neh. and then he walks off. Right. I like that now. I think it's funny now. The way that that one lands for me way more than it did back then. And I'm wondering if it's because of, like I said, the Clone Wars kind of warming me up to them. But I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's kind of funny that that really lands for me. I don't, I can't think of anything. But yeah, like R2 coming in and and bumping into him, and he's all like, "Whoa!" And it's just like, it's just, meh, doesn't really work. I think a lot of the, I mean, we already talked about this a little bit. A lot of the Jar Jar moments feel like the movie feels like it stops while Jar Jar does something goofy. The humor in the first film was in moments where something was happening. It was part of the action. And this one, a lot of it feels like the movie stops, Jar Jar does something goofy, the movie starts up again. I think Mm. that's part of why it feels a little bit janky in the pacing. It's part of why the humor doesn't quite work. It doesn't come out of the tension of a moment. I mean, generally in the OT, the humor comes from 3PO and R2, or it comes from Han Solo because he's always desperate and things aren't going right for him. And a lot of the fun of the the humor in the OT comes from Han Solo being out of his depth and desperately trying to get get his head back above water, right? And that happens in moments where there's stuff happening, where there's tension happening, where the drama is unfolding. And I don't know, I've just gone around in a circle to come back and say that the Jar Jar stuff, a lot of the reason it doesn't work is because the movie stops, waits for him to do something, then kicks off again. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. And it kind of makes me think about all the funny, goofy stuff that happens during the battle. Now... As you know, I've seen and watched and read so much Star Wars stuff that now I don't even remember where I got the idea. But somewhere it was planted the idea that in the Star Wars universe, nothing happens by accident. And 
if you watch... Because of the Force? Yes. And I don't know, that might be something that's, like I said, maybe that's in Clone Wars or Rebels or some book I read at some point. But I remember thinking that and then watching the final battle where Jar Jar screws up through the whole thing and makes it through it and even saves some people and, you know what I mean, accidentally. Right. It's all accidental. And then you start to think about it and you go, is Jar Jar a vessel of the Force? You know what I mean? Is he... Not to say that he's a Jedi, but is he the Force's tool at these moments? Right. And it kind of gives you a weird... It's a strange perspective. Like, things worked out the way they should have. And they the way they were going to. And put them in a position to where it ends up. And you're like, that's kind of cool, you know? And But then you still go, oh, yeah, but he's still a big floppy-eared goofball. But I don't know. It's one of those weird little things. I've heard a similar thing. Theory. I've never followed it up, and I don't know if this is something that I picked up from Brian Young or whether it was a YouTube video suggestion on the side of a thing that I never got around to watching. But I know there is a theory that Jar Jar is a Sith. Yeah. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> One day I'll dig into that because that seems fun. I just haven't got into it yet. And there are other theories that, and I think I probably did pick this up from Brian Young about how important Jar Jar is to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But it's all accidental. Yeah, sure. I mean, think about the will. Like, I think it's something about the will of the Force, right? Sure. So Qui-Gon accidentally runs into him, saves him from being run over by the tank. And then without that moment, he wouldn't have gone on the adventure. And then he wouldn't have become a hero of that battle. He wouldn't have become a senator. And he wouldn't have voted Palpatine into power. Right. I mean, those those are the kinds of things that, you know, if you look at it like that, kind of that chaos theory type thing and you go so was it the will of the force that Palpatine came into power and wiped out almost all of the Jedi brought balance to the force that it was Jar Jar instead of Anakin I mean there's a lot of weird (laughs) stuff that you can go a lot of roads that you can go down I've never actually delved into the whole Jar Jar is a Sith theory but it's really about the way that Lucas you know thematically builds his stories it's very is it Joseph Campbell that his name yeah that whole thing that he built the force as his deus ex machina through the whole series the meta of the whole series is the force and the will of the force and qui-gon touches on it when he's talking to anakin in that moment where he's talking about midi-chlorians and all that stuff and you'll you know if you quiet your mind you'll hear it too right if you subscribe to that theory then there's a lot of things that happen that you kind of go okay well then that was meant to happen right you know luke was meant to lose his hand and luke was you know what i mean all of those things luke was meant to lose his complete trust in being a jedi and 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 go off and allow kylo ren to rise to i mean there's a lot to it you know and if you have that theory in your head when you're watching him it almost allows you to let go a little bit too you know which is what they say in the you know let go of your conscious self and act on instinct all of those things and it's weird how that works you know how all of those things that that obi-wan's saying and all the things that yoda says and then later on qui-gon and whatever all of it it all seems to have this thread through it which is kind of awesome which is part of the reason why i love it so much there's so much to it and there's so many levels to it and then you can you know there's going to be some people that are like yeah but jojo with the poo poo and then you know (laughs) But, there's, but they have a point because Jaja. Right. <laughs> 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 
But when you really think about it, judge out what the people are like, eh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't... The, the will of the force thing I've always struggled with because I prefer a story where there's free will because I feel like it's more heroic if the reason that you make the changes that you make in your life are because you willed it and not because... I mean, you hear this all the time from fighters. I mean, you don't hear this all the time from fighters because you don't listen to fighters anymore, but I still <laughs> listen to fighter interviews. And it's so many of them, everything happens for a reason. And usually they say that after a loss, you know. Everything happens for a reason. And a lot of them are religious too, you know. It makes sense. And that's so they, they believe in that God has a plan or whatever. And so when you talk about the force as having a will, it makes it a little too much like a God or like a religion for me and... Obviously, it works. You can definitely read the universe that way, read the whole saga that way. I prefer not to. But it works both ways. Sure. I, that's that's the beauty of it. And isn't it canon? I mean, I think it's canon that the Force has a will now. I can't remember if that came directly from the films or whether it's from Lucas interviews or whether it's from Filoni talking about when he was talking to Lucas. But I think it's canon that the Force does have some kind of a will that it does want to steer certain destinies in certain directions. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, well... Part of it is talked about in Clone Wars. In fact, there's a couple of episodes in different places that deal almost with fate and, I guess, knowing yourself, which is, again, one of the things that I... And I can't talk about it yet, but we will. We will talk about it. (laughs) But it's one of my favorite things because it's about... It was almost like someone talking to me with my own voice, in a way, because it was very similar to how I think about the way that you should view your own life and the way that you live your life. And it's just, it's awesome. But anyway, yeah, I don't think it's actually mentioned in any of the movies, the actual Will of the Force. The only thing that I can think of is when Qui-Gon's talking to Anakin about midi-chlorians and he's talking about listening to the Force. But that's one of those things where, of course, a lot of people got turned off because it's like, oh, so being a Jedi is a disease. You have things living in your body and they're germs. And it's like, dude... Just look past that. Yeah, you can still think that it's the what's what binds the galaxy together and all that stuff. All of what Alec Guinness says is still perfectly valid. This is just valid too. And it's like if you think of it in that way, he's it's almost like Obi-Wan is more of the supernatural kind of the big picture. Qui-Gon's more scientific in breaking it down to Anakin at right. that moment. And that's fine. It works. One of the things that's very interesting, by the way, since it's just a little, little offshoot, I'm reading a book, it's the Star Wars Archives, and it's a huge, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a coffee table book, it's freaking huge, and it's like 20 pounds, it's ridiculously huge, but in it, it's talking about the original trilogy, 4, 5, and 6, right, and there are pages from episode 4, early drafts, where he's talking about midi-chlorians, right. so it was not a new concept. It was something he'd always had in his mind that that's what the Force was. And he just never explained it that way. And it could be one of those situations where, you know, when he's sitting down with Francis Ford Coppola and Brian De Palma and Martin Scorsese, (laughs) which is amazing to think that they're all, you know, chilling out together. And and Spielberg. Milius as well. Yeah. All those guys. And maybe one of them said, yeah, maybe you shouldn't just get into that part of it. Maybe you should just keep it more broad. And then in his old wizened age, he was like, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. This is my movie. I'm paying for it. I'm talking about it. <laughs> Who knows? Sure. But it was there. It was there as a, as a seed way back then. It's kind of interesting. 
And that's part two of our originally unaired pilot, our Phantom Menace slash Attack of the Clones pilot troops. So I hope you enjoyed it. And I fully expect to have the final part, part three, up tomorrow. It'll probably be a shorter part. I don't think there's that much more in the conversation. I just didn't get it all done tonight. I'm going to go and get my beauty sleep troops. You know how it is. I could stay up until two in the morning and get the rest of it done for today. But, you know, then there wouldn't be an episode for Friday or slash Thursday. So I'm going to leave this one here. and We'll be back onto it tomorrow for the final part of our Phantom Menace chat. And then at some point, we'll see if I can work our Attack of the Clones chat into something worthwhile as well. So, thanks again, troops, for riding with us. On behalf of our trusty pal Robbie, is your old buddy Bucho, and I am out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you. Run, you're left. I'm into top arena. Shabadoo,